Welcome into another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. It is another Froggy Wednesday. And you know, we've always got great guests. Thank you to uh, Encore Golf. The podcast is brought to you by them. And uh, remember, Encore Golf designs the high-performance golf balls for players of all skill levels and swing speeds. You get fitted for your perfect golf ball today at EncoreGolf.com. So, it's always wonderful to have somebody who has played the week before. Tell us a little bit about the golf tournament, exactly how the course played the way it did. Had a very solid finish this week. Thank you so much to Adam Hadwin, a 2017 Valspar Championship winner. And uh, you can always follow him on social media, A Hadwin Golf. Adam, thank you so much for your time, man. Appreciate you coming on the Stripe Show podcast. Of course. And welcome. I appreciate you having me on. A uh, solid finish at the Shriners over the weekend. Yeah, I played well. Um, you always wish to be a couple shots lower here and there. I think, um, I don't think there was a chance that I was going to be winning it on Sunday. Uh, Sungjae kind of ran away with things and, and, and made sure he kind of grabbed reins and, and took them. But, um, you know, we always feel as golfers that we left maybe a couple out there during the days. And, um, I had my chances on that back nine to get a couple more, but, um, it is what it is. Uh, but again, really solid week. Um, all week. I didn't make too many mistakes. Um, yeah. Top 10 finish, which is always nice on tour. Was that golf course playing as easy as Sanjay made it look, or was he just, <laughs> he was just not, it looked like he rolled everything in and he was knocking, yeah. so, knocking a lot closer to the hole. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a machine. Um, when he gets it going, uh, as you saw on Sunday, he doesn't like, you know, he's chasing how many flag sticks he can hit, not necessarily how many times he can hit it inside 10 or 15 feet. So, um, you know, I've, I've had firsthand experience watching this guy play, um, partnered with him at president's cup in 2019. So it's, it's impressive to watch. And at a young age doing that, um, it's, it's awesome to see. So, um, hats off to him for winning the tournament, but you know, the golf course, uh, we just didn't have a lot of wind in the afternoon. Um, and the golf course stayed fairly receptive. Um, normally that place can get really firm and fast, um, uh, right. Vegas dry, uh, warm. And, uh, it just never got the fire. Like I've seen in, in previous tournaments. Um, you know, even on, like on Sunday, I drove the 15th, the par or the, the reachable par four. And I mean, I flew it into the middle of the green and stopped it within 20, 25 feet, which I think normally that ball ends up over the back of the green. So that definitely led to some lower scores, but, um, you know, Sanjay beat the average by six, I think that day. So he was, uh, he was a class above the rest of us that day for sure. Do you, is it, uh, encouraging to you when you get out there and the golf course is playing that way when you know there's low scores or is it the other way around? You'd rather play where it's a little harder and it's not going to be a birdie fest. Yeah. I mean, I think personally for me, I'd rather play the other way. Um, knowing that, you know, par is a good score hit in the middle of the green 15, give you, you know, give yourself a lot of 15, 20 footers. You don't have to be as aggressive. Um, I think that may suit my game a little bit more, even though, I mean, I can make birdies with a bunch of, uh, with the best of them. Um, and they can come in bunches. Um, just traditionally I'm a little bit more of a conservative player than a lot of guys out here. So keep right. the ball and keep the ball in play, try and hit as many greens as possible. Um, again, and, and give myself 15, 25 feet, 30 feet safe side of the hole. Um, try and make golf as stress-free as possible. And, you know, sometimes when scores are getting to that 62, 63, um, if you're playing too conservative, you know, I can get, I guess I get caught in this trap of playing too conservatively. Sometimes, um, right. I'm not, I'm not taking on enough pins, uh, when I should be, uh, like the others and, and maybe not giving myself enough close chances for birdie. Adam, how much is the game changing towards distance being such a key factor in, in whether who wins or who contends? Boy, I mean, it's massive now. Um, I think with the invention of that strokes game statistic, um, guys have really opened their minds to this is a this is a big deal. Um, you know, obviously you go back what 20 years now, uh 20, 25 years when Tiger first came out. Um, and he was smashing it by most people, you know, there was a couple guys, John Daly and stuff, but Tiger was kind of smashing it by most people. And that was really sort of the start, I think of this increase in distance. Um, guys are like, well, if, if I want to compete with him, I'm going to have to get longer and stronger and, and fitter. And, um, now sort of in my generation and, and guys coming up, 
I mean, everybody's strong. Everybody's powerful. Everybody's got 180 plus ball speed. Um, and it is important. It's, it, you hate to say that, I mean, this is where the game's gone. Um, and, you know, Bryson took it to a new level and he <laughs> proved, and he proved that, uh, that model can still be successful. Obviously, uh, you know, I'm not sure any one of us uh, in our wildest dreams believe that Bryson could be this good still. Um, you know, we, we would have thought that something would have to sacrifice, uh, but it hasn't. Um, he still hits his irons and his wedges as good as anybody. Um, I mean, he's an extremely underrated putter, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, so guys are, uh, it's become a big thing. You see a lot more guys, you know, doing speed drills and speed training out on the range and in the gym and, and, um, uh, especially guys of like my length. Um, I'm a, well, very, you're not very, a short hitter by any means. I mean, you're well, off the tee. You've, you've got the, your average is over. It's saying it's 300 or 301, which well, I remember when 300 yeah. was this, that was like the, if you could hit a 300, you're good. Now 300 is not looked at as being a long hitter. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's only been three weeks into the season. So those stats are probably slightly misleading. Um, <laughs> just cause you know, when we played in Napa, Vegas is firm, Napa is firm. Um, Sanderson, the ball was rolling out as well. So, um, to give some clarity that I am like a, I top out right around 170 ball speed, uh, which gets me depending on where we're playing, obviously court, you know, conditions and stuff change, but I'm anywhere from like 280, maybe on the West coast, like a, a smash drive out in at, at Torrey Pines or Pebble beach might go 280 in the air. Um, and if here in Phoenix, a smash drive might go like 295 to 300 wow. in the air. So, um, obviously all that can vary. Now I am basically on average, maybe just below average on tour. Now, um, I, I would say most guys, most of the guys that I play with now are, are somewhere around 175 ball speed. <laughs> Um, and then you're talking guys that are, are going higher than that. Um, Bryson obviously is up close to 200, uh, when he plays. So he's got 30 miles an hour ball speed on me, driver to driver to driver. So, and he hits it straight for the most part, which is, which is right. severely impressive. Like, right. I mean, I can't, I can't tell for your viewers, man, I can't tell you how impressive that is. Um, if he's off by millimeters, on that club face or delivering that club face. I mean, his ball is 30. Whereas if I'm off by that same margin, I'm probably on the right side of the fairway. So that's the description, you know, that's the difference. Um, so for him to be able to control it is impressive. And uh, it's fun to watch sometimes. It really is. You dropped out a second there. You said, so if he's, if he's millimeters off, he can be 30 yards offline. 30 to 50 yards off, off on easy. Wow. Um, like, you know, you play the game, um, the margin for error when you're delivering that club head, especially that fast right. is so small. And when you, if that club face comes in a degree or two open or closed, you know, with that extra 30 mile an hour ball speed, that's, you know, like I said, I'm right side of the fairway. He is 30 yards out of bounds with that, right. with that difference. So, it's it's impressive. It is. I watched him. Bryson also. He took part in that long drive championship. Yeah. And and really held his own. I think he was mm -hmm. just just very close to getting into the semifinals. And we had Justin James on who made it to the finals against Kyle Berkshire. And Justin said it really truly is unbelievable. He's like, we as long drivers, we basically need to put one ball in play out of eight tries. He said, This guy, it, this guy has to put every ball he hits off a tee in a PGA tour event in play mm -hmm. and he's still hitting it at this distance. It really truly is remarkable. Has ha, have the distances or the changes Bryson's made, have they affected you at all and made you want to try to, 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 to gain some distance? Um, I'd be lying if I said no. Um, obviously I think every one of us sees the importance of the distance and, um, how much it can affect things, how, um, you know, easier the game can be, be become. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to score better by any, by any means, but having, you know, eight instead of seven and wedge instead of nine, I mean, it just adds up over the course of a year. 
Um, I've looked at it. It's not something I'll be honest that I've seriously chased yet. I don't think that I have fully committed to that process. Um, you know, I've talked with my trainer and, and my swing coach about that stuff at length and it's all things that we want to look at. Um, but I don't want to start sacrificing other parts of my game uh, right. yet. And, um, so it's, <laughs> it's been like an ongoing discussion for two or three years now. So we'll see, like at some point I'm just going to have to sit down and either commit or not commit, uh, which I think is what it comes down to. So, um, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, Rory had said that he was guilty of absolutely chasing it and that it had affected other parts of his game. And so I admire Rory for being honest and admitting that that that's what has happened. hundred um, percent. And it will, um, you know, just, this is a very, very small example, but um, I was with my swing coach and we were talking about um, gaining some speed um, and how to do it. And, you know, he was basically showing me that, you know, my body has the the potential um, without even changing much to put some more speed on. And we were playing around with some things. And for about a week or so, I was kind of fooling around with that. And I was able to go from, uh, you know, we were, we were, I was at, at his home base in Alabama uh, with the force plates, kind of measuring the force that my feet were putting into the ground. And um, I came back to Phoenix and I was playing around with it. And I was able to go just kind of from cruising right around 170. If I was trying the things that we were talking about, I was able to get it up to about 178. So I gained seven, eight miles an hour ball speed just by doing a couple of these things, which is massive. But I had no idea where it was going. And there was no possible way that I'd be able to put this into play in a tournament and have any level of, uh, you know, being comfortable about it. Um, uh, but then I found you know, after doing that during my off week, even though I wasn't necessarily doing it at a tournament, I found some of those habits like almost creeping in because I had been practicing it. And so I started driving it like crap. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I had to like really kind of forget everything and, and not touch it. Um, that's where, you know, Bryson kind of disappeared for call it two and two, two and a half months yeah. on us. Um, right when the pandemic started, really. Yeah, at the end of, I think, 2019, uh, before the President's Cup. The President's Cup um, in Australia in, in December of 19 is when he first debuted his bulked up um, right, right. body. He, he, he played in Vegas, um, and then he disappeared for like two, two and a half months. Um, and that's when he went into that, for, that phase. So it's just, not, I mean, if you're going to take it on, you got to take it on. you got to fully commit. You've got to be ready for it. And um you've got to, you, you have to go full force and he, and he did, and he owned it. Um, I'm sure Rory did as well and he took it on. However, I think there's just two different golf swings. I think if you look at Bryson's, his is more of sort of a, uh, I don't know, uh, like a one plane ish almost, you know, his, right. everything, everything about it is nothing moves, but his body type thing. And I think that if you look at Rory's swing, it's a much more fluid, um, rotary type golf swing and his hips and everything are, you know, it's built maybe a little bit more on timing than Bryson's is, or maybe easier, right. you know, Bryson's is easier to time than Rory's is because there's less moving parts to it. I mean, yeah, Rory seems to have a lot more face rotation or, or arms rolling, so to speak correct. at the ball than Bryson does. Correct. Do you, I mean, you look at Bryson and how, you know, he gets across the line at the top and, but his arms basically stay very straight. His grip is very neutral. Like everything's built so that face doesn't rotate. And, you know, the way that he hits draws and he just comes, uses his body, comes from the inside massively to hit these high draws with the driver. Whereas again, Rory's just a little bit more rotational. And I think him trying to add that speed probably just messed his timing up big right. time, which is what right. it, which, which is, was it, what it does for me. I, I would say typically, you know, if I was to compare against the two, I would be much closer to Rory, which most golfers are, mm -hmm. um, on tour anyways, but that timing aspect, when you start throwing some more speed, if it, again, if it's off just a little bit, when we're talking at those speeds, the margin for error is so small that 
you know, you start missing it instead of missing it five, 10 yards left and right. Now you're missing it 15, 20 yards left and right, which brings in a whole host of other problems. Adam, do you ever find yourself when you're playing on the golf course, maybe things aren't going great or you're playing with somebody who's playing really well. Do you ever find yourself and I, and I ask this because as an amateur, we do this, or at least I'm guilty of it. And I know my buddies are. Do you ever find yourself looking at something that player's doing and think, hey, maybe if I tried that, I'd, I would hit, I'd hit it better? Or, do, or do, do, do you ever find yourself doing that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, no, I don't think I've ever felt that way. But certainly, like, uh, when I've been on the range or watching somebody practice or mm-hmm. on the putting green or anything like that, or I might pick up something and be like, oh, I like that drill. Or... Um, I know so-and-so has been, been doing really well with this aspect of their game. Let me see if they do anything differently or practice differently than I do. Maybe I can pick something up. Um, it's a lot easier to kind of see that, you know, maybe on the chipping greens or the short game area or, uh, putting green or something like that. That's, that's kind of where I would notice some, some of that a little bit more, um, on the golf course. No, not, I've never really, I don't think I've really even have ever noticed that. Um, certainly recognize when guys are playing well, but, um, I think all of us at some point have, have been in that situation and then also been in the other situation where we're right. kind of putting a thumping on our playing partners. And right. so you just get caught up in your own world. Right. You know, speaking of putting a thumping on your playing partner that day in 2017 at a career builder, <laughs> when you shot 59, who were you playing with that day? I was playing with Colt Nost, believe it or and, not. And what did and what did he shoot? I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. But I guarantee you you were kicking his ass though. <laughs> we we had a great we had a great day. Colt was honestly probably the best partner to have on a day like that. Um you know, it was in uh it was a pro am format, so we had a couple ams with us as well. Um oh, wow. it was, yeah, so it was it was very relaxed. Um it was, it might've been an easier atmosphere to do it in than like a regular tour event, um, with two other professionals. Um, just cause I was able to sort of escape my own game a little bit. And I mean, I knew exactly what I was doing and where I was at and what I needed to do. But at the same time, I was still, there's still a part of me that wanted to make sure the guys that were playing with, were having a good time and enjoying themselves and, you know, uh, and all of that thing too. So I was kind of able to escape my own round a little bit, um, and, and help them out. And, and that probably helped me get through the, the round. I mean, at what point in the round, like I know at one point you had six birdies in a row, you shot 29 on the front, then you go in the back, you make another five in a row. At what point do you realize that this is really something special? Like, like I, I know I'm in a pro-am, I know I've got a, yeah. a job to do, but at the same time, this is different. I started, uh, I started joking with my caddy on, I birdied 12 to go nine under through 12. And I kind of started joking with him, like, you know, kind of ribbing him a little bit like, Oh, we only got four more to go. And ha ha. And he just looks at me and kind of like deadpan goes, well, let's just worry about the next shot. But you know, kind of like what, it, what any good caddy would do. And, right. um, it started to get silly for me two holes later, um, on 14, I birdied I birdied the par five. It was reachable. And like, you know, I made a nice putt for it. I didn't hit a great second shot into it and got up and down. Uh, but it got kind of silly. The next hole on 14, I made like a 30 footer, um, just putts that you shouldn't make, right. uh, you know, putts that you're only making, you know, two to 3%, five, maybe 5% of the time, um, uh, on a yearly basis. And that's when it's like, okay, this is kind of strange now. Like, putts just don't keep falling from that distance. And, um, so I was 11 under through 14. Um, I, I, you know, I distinctly remember the putt still on 15. Um, it was a downhill left to right putt. And I just kept telling myself, just get the speed, right. Um, because this is, this would be a putt in forget being 11 under through 14, even being seven or eight under through 14, this would be a type of putt where things are going well. I might get a little too aggressive on it, trying to make it uh, run it by three or four feet and then miss the comebacker and all momentum's gone from any, you know, any sort of good round. So right. I just kept, I just kept telling myself to, to get the speed, right? If it doesn't go in, it doesn't go in, just tap in. You still have all of this momentum built up and uh, it went in. 
Um, and so I only needed, I only needed one of the last three to get to 13 under. And, um, I hit a good shot in a 16, missed that putt. Uh, finally, it's about the first one I missed all, all week. How short was day, that putt? All day, uh, about 15 feet, probably one oh, of the closer wow. ones in like the last four right. or five holes that I made though. Um, and then I hit a, I hit a really good second shot into 17 to about seven feet, made that for birdie to get the 13 under and was able to par the last. How hard was that par on the last hole? I had to work for it a little bit. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably too hard. Um, I had a good tee shot. I was, uh, I played very, very safe on the second, probably a little bit jacked up, uh, under the situation, went a little long, um, hit a good chip shot down there to three feet. And, uh, thankfully it, it I had a, I had a lot of room, I, as much room for error on a three footer as you can have. It was basically right. straight, straight up the hill, um, uh, from three feet. So, uh, it wow. went in. It's obviously around for you to be able to talk about it. So in depth, it's obviously around. You'll never forget. Yeah. Um, I can recall, um, pr pretty close the entire back nine. Um, at least the last, uh, probably six holes, uh, 13 wow. on 13 on, I can pretty much give you every shot that, that went on. So 2017 was a great year. You shoot 59, you won the Valspar, you played in the president's cup. I mean, it really was 2017 to this point, probably your best year on tour by far. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely by far. Um, which from a competitor standpoint kind of stings a little bit because you want to keep getting better and, and keep moving up. And, um, you know, you know, I, I have this thing, like, I don't ever want to be the guy that is not like known for winning once or for shooting 59 or, right. you know, playing one president's cup. So thankfully I've had my second president president's right. cup experience. Now I'm still chasing that second win. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, this game really goes through ebbs and flows. Um, you see it all the time. You see it with the best players. Um, it's really difficult to stay at peak level for an extended period of time. And, uh, hopefully 2017 wasn't my peak. Uh, I'm working to make that, uh, a reality. Um, right. but yeah, it's been, uh, let's say 17, 17 was definitely a peak and it's, it's been a little bit of a, maybe an ebb from there, but hopefully right. we're back on, we're back on the flow now. Yeah. Do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case today is your lucky day, because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at pinned golf. Their brand new ACE range finder is amazing. And it's only $199. I've been using it for a couple weeks now and I was blown away with the quality, it has a slope technology, pin locked vibration technology. So you know exactly when you are locked onto your target tour lever accuracy. And best of all, it is powered by a USB charge. So you can forget about those little batteries. Every other range finder makes you buy one 45 minute charge lasts you 50 plus rounds. I love it. Our friends over at pin golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping. When you use code stripe show, that's code stripe show. I'm telling you for $175, you simply cannot beat the ACE range finder. Head out over to pingolf.com and get yourself the ACE and get dialed in. I mean, there's so much talent in the game now and that people argue, you know, the talent back in the day versus now, but I just feel like right now, there are so many people that can win at any given time. The talent is so deep where I could make an argument that 15, 20 years ago, I could have probably named five or 10 guys that were going to win most of the golf tournaments. And this is, I'm, I'm even going back further than tiger. Obviously when tiger was playing, it seemed like a, a lot of times people were playing for second place. There is so much talent now that any feels like anybody can win on any given, any given week. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to sit here and try and compare generations or anything like that. I wasn't, I wasn't alive right. or, or playing back then, but yeah, I mean, I think what, again, you look back to the impact that tiger had on the game, his work ethic. Um, and when he came out, he was just so far and above, like no disrespect to Mickelson or L's or these guys that were, uh, you know, second and third best while he was playing, but right. you know, he was, he was just another level. Um, and stats in his career would say that and for sure um 
in today's day and age, yeah, you're, it's just harder to, it, it definitely harder to separate yourself like that. Um, I don't think we'll see another run like that for a long time. I, I if you do, it's going to be extremely, extremely special. Um, I just think that guys are just more prepared than they used to be. You know, you look at the average age of the PJ tour, probably 15, 20 years ago, it was probably 27, 28. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they really said guys didn't really start hitting their prime till their thirties. Um, they had all this experience under their belt and they knew what they were doing. I mean, you got guys coming out of college at 21, 22 winning PJ tour events. Like it's right. nothing nowadays. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that is just, you know, guys have dedicated themselves from young ages. I mean, 12, 13 years old now doing nothing but golf and training specifically for golf and practicing and all of this stuff. You know, when I was, I mean, when I was 12, 13, I was still playing every high school sport and I was still doing all these different things. So it's just a different world. Um, you know, you have things like TrackMan and Foresight and simulators and the fitting and all of this, everything is, is perfect. I mean, technology is advanced so far that you can get anything you want whenever you want fit precisely to what you need it to. And, you know, fitness, nutrition, mental, I mean, everything all encompassing. So every, when they, you know, by the time they reach the PGA tour, even if it's out of college, if it's a year on the corn Ferry tour, if it's, you know, seven years on the corn Ferry tour, these guys are like, eh, it's no big deal. I mean, I've been through right. it. I'm, I'm ready to play. Yeah. The corn and, Ferry tour is deep with talent as well. Oh, it's incredible. Um, you know, just to get through that and to get PGA tour card is, is an accomplishment in its own right, regardless of how the PGA tour season goes. Um, it's not something easy to do. I mean, I played a few years on the mini tours. I played up in Canada. I played corn Ferry tour. I mean, I've been through, I went through the entire progression. Right. Um, and so there's talent at every level um, and you have to play well to move up and, and to move on. And you're right. I mean, it's every single week, it, it, you know, just the, you know, I mean, Shriners is a prime example. I mean, I had a good week, but there was probably, I mean, I'm not going to be able to go through there and find six or seven shots probably to be able to catch some Jay to win, right, you know, right. like I might be, yeah, sure. Everybody could probably go find a shot or two to, to move up the leaderboard a few places. But I mean, I mean, I guess you take him out of it and yeah, it was really close. I could probably find a couple shots to, to contend, but, right. um, you know, every week it seems like there's a guy or a couple guys that are playing like that. You know, Sam Burns ran away with it. I mean, it was only two or three shots ahead, but he he basically asserted himself in in Jackson, and he he took the championship. So, right. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun though. I can tell you that. I mean, the competition <laughs> is so good and it pushes you because you can't, you just can't make a mistake. Anymore. No. Absolutely not. No. And, you know, you, you mentioned Tiger and, and uh, yesterday there was a story that came out in sports illustrated, you know, the tours come out with the player impact program and awarding people who are moving the needle the most Tiger Woods is not going to hit a shot this year. And luckily uh, there was a video posted of him the other day. It showed him at Charlie's event. He was walking. It's, I mean, it's so strange that Tiger Woods walking without a limp is a story. And it's, it's truly amazing. I would love to see him play again. I'm sure you would love to see him come back out Mm -hmm. there and play again. But Tiger really does. He is the needle. He doesn't move the needle. He is the needle in golf. And and yeah. being you've been on tour, seen, played, done whatever. What's your favorite Tiger story from your career that really just is is, is something that people just don't understand about how great Tiger is? Um, I go back to and I, uh, I, I don't. <laughs> it's hard. I almost think that he's underappreciated for what he's accomplished. I would agree. Um, <laughs> almost like you, you don't want to say like Colin, the greatest, you know, greatest golfer of my generation underappreciated, but um, one of my favorite stats about tiger is uh, about four or five years ago. Now when Jason day was number one in the world and um, you know, he looked unbeatable and, and, and all of that stuff, Jason won seven events in 17 starts, which is incredible ridiculous right. really right. i mean right. you, you just to wrap your head around that like a win percentage in in 17 starts of like was that 40 percent or something right um ridiculous 
Uh, Tiger did that seven separate times in his career. Separate, like seven separate times in his career. So you're looking at a period of time where everybody's talking about Jason Day and how good he is and how unbeatable he is. And Tiger did that seven different times. And you think about all the swing changes that Tiger did. Every time he like got great, he changed his swing. Right. The injuries that he's been through injuries and all of this stuff and like seven separate times and i'm like this i mean you look at his uh you know number one world ranking and how far he is ahead of the second person of in how in the span of weeks and stuff like that i mean it's in you know obviously some of this stuff again we don't have this to compare maybe to nicholas or anything right. you know at least from a world golf ranking or stuff like that. Or how about Tiger's cut streak of 142 weeks or something cuts made. That's like, insane. It's, it is like John Rahm is, is inarguably the greatest player in the world right now. Right. And he is the hottest player on the planet. And I don't think anybody would argue against that. No. Um, at least from like a PGA tour standpoint, maybe some guys in the mini tours are cleaning house, but um he still missed the cut at, at, at the Fortnite championship first start of the week or first start of the year. Right. So, I mean, you got guys maybe that are making like 30, maybe 40. And it's like considered a massive streak, right? You know, you go a year without missing a cut and you've done really, really well. Tiger went like five years or right. seven years or for well, 140 events. He didn't play that much. So you're looking at like seven years, eight years without missing a cut. That's, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It is. It's insane. Do you do you remember the first time you ever played with him? Um, I do. Yes. Uh, you, I've only played. I've, like, I've you, only played with him once. Oh, once. W- were you caught just up once. in it? Were you? W- was it like I can't believe I'm playing with Tiger Woods? Yeah, it was pretty cool. We played. Um, we played Saturday's round at um, at Riviera. I think it would have been oh, Genesis. Wow. So he was. I think. He, I think it might have. Maybe he was hosting that. Maybe one of the first years he started hosting that event. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was playing with him and Jordan Spieth on Saturday. Oh, that's a hell of a pairing. Um, yeah. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I think you certainly, you first, especially the first time you always, you always remember the first time. Um, right. and you always are thinking about it and, and what it's going to be like. And, um, he didn't play very well on Saturday on at, at Red Riviera that day. Um, Did you beat him? I did beat him. I beat both of them actually. Yeah. Um, But I'll be, but I'll be honest, but I'll be honest with you. Um, He like, he four putted. He didn't play his best. So it was a little bit easier to beat. That's for sure. (laughs) But you still beat him, but he could still say, I still played with Tiger Woods one time and I beat him. (laughs) I am one for one in my career beating Tiger Woods. That's awesome. You know, I, I know this is a really stupid take what I'm about to say, but it just feels like something's not right. I'm not sure as you were playing this weekend, you obviously did not get to watch the uh, PGA tour champions event. Uh, I was here in Jacksonville, Jim Furyk's event, Furyk and friends constellation presented by circle K. And it really was a good tournament an amazing field. They had every single player you could possibly imagine on PGA tour champions. And, and Phil just like, Phil just shows up and wins. My take is Phil's too good for the champions tour. I don't think they should let him play on it yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm certainly, I, I don't think that the champions tour is going to turn down the free revenue that Phil Mickelson right. bring, that'll he'll bring to your event, but you're probably not far off. Um, I mean, the guy won the PGA championship this year against, you know, what, is arguably some of the best fields of the year. So that was a hard golf course too. Yeah. Um, he obviously still has a ton of game. Um, and I think probably what champions tour allows is that he, while well, he's playing from not as far back as he would on the PGA tour. Um, he said it, it allows him to be more aggressive. And if he makes a mistake, it's easier right. to recover from there than it is on the tour. Yeah. You know, the again, we were just talking about that competition, right? I mean, for a guy like him, he's probably hitting at 20, 30 yards by most of the guys that he's playing with. Um, yeah, because you know, Phil, he's hitting bombs. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, Phil, Phil bombs it by a bunch of the guys out here on tour. I mean, on the PGA tour. I mean, it's, it's, 
you know, he's, he is uh, in the upper echelon of distance on the PGA tour, let alone the champions tour. I mean, yeah, if you remember at the PGA, he bombed it. Pat Brooks had a really good drive on that one okay. hole and he knocked it past him. Like no problems. hundred percent. So, I mean, it's just a recipe for him to be ultra successful. Right. I mean, you look, he sort of redefined himself. I think a few years ago too, he got into this big coffee fasting and lost a bunch of weight, got really strong started hitting bombs, like he says, and, um, you know, whether or not that has extended a PGA tour shelf life or anything, I think remains to be seen. I mean, he didn't play that well outside of the PGA, but he's still calling himself a PGA champion. He's ch or a champion. He still won a major at 50 years old or 49, whatever he was when he won. Um, I love I think, that he's been so vocal about that too. Somebody posted something about, oh, yeah. you know, who had the worst year or whatever on his, on tour and Phil responded back. Yeah. But you know who won the PGA championship? This guy. Oh yeah. hundred percent. He loves I love that he fires back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a recipe for him to take advantage of yeah, champions tour golf courses. Um, I mean, and you're probably not wrong that he's too good, but I, I, I mean, at this point, I don't think, you know, I mean, he, he did, he didn't win one of them that he played. He's only won three right. of the four they yeah, played. Three or so, four, yeah. I mean, I, I guess he is beatable, but. <laughs> but he wasn't even really prepared this week. I mean, how much could he really have practiced? He was an assistant captain at the Ryder cup. So he was there doing his stuff there. So was, so was Jim. I, uh, I think Jim finished, he finished tied for third or fourth. Yep. So they both, I, I feel like the guys that first come off the tour, especially the really successful ones, they're obviously going to be favorites in the beginning because they're used to playing the big boy ballparks. And so I think it gives them a little bit of an advantage early on. hundred um, percent. I would, I would agree with that a hundred percent. You know, uh, you look at guys that have like, were splitting time for years, you know, VJ was going back and forth and uh, Davis love, I think, I mean, Davis won out here at Greensboro at 48 or 49 as well, just before right. he went there. So yeah, massive advantage for, especially for a guy like Phil, cause he bombs it. Um, you know, Mike Weir, fellow Canadian, he's had, he's had a bunch of success out there on the champions yeah. tour. Um, you know, he would have had a harder time competing out on tour because he doesn't hit it very far anymore. And, and whereas, I mean, Phil will, Phil will win as many times as Phil wants to win. Basically. That's what I love about golf, man. That's why it's good stuff. Who do you, uh, who do you like in the Brooks Bryson match? You know, this Brooks Bryson talk has been going on first. It was a fight. Now they're buddies at Ryder cup. And then now they're going to made for TV match. I'm not, I'm not even sure where I stand in all this anymore. I feel like I've been taken for a ride. <laughs> you gotta get that. You gotta get that PIP money. Froggy. That's what I said. You know, we were just, you were mentioning that Tiger's still taking the $8 million PIP money, but Brooks and Bryson were putting up a hell of a fight for it. That's for sure. Yeah, they did. Who do you, who do you like in the TV match? Um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't care. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch. Um, you know, it's, it, the, the guys are fine, but uh, you know, we're, we're talking about moving the needle and stuff. And obviously I think to the, to most people out there, they move the needle, but to, to somebody who's immersed in the game, and is around it all the time. Those two don't move the needle for me. Um, you know, I would watch a match involving Tiger. That's pretty much right. pretty much where my limits go. Maybe when you throw in some of the other sports personalities, because it's outside of golf for me, maybe I'll maybe I'll watch. But um, I mean, I'll I'll just choose I'll choose Bryson um, simply on the fact that I I don't think Brooks even cares to be there. I agree. Um, and that I feel like if anything, Bryson might have a slight edge in caring to beat the other person. Right. Whereas I feel like Brooks may be just going for a cash grab. So right. that makes sense. But. Speaking of uh, cash grabs, the tour announced this week that now for guys who play so many tournaments, I think it was 15 events or 17, 18 events. Uh, they'll give a $50,000 bonus. Do you think that will make a difference? Because let's be honest. No. If you're playing on tour and you got some decent finishes, I, I, this really sounds stupid, but $50,000 is not a lot of money when you're playing on the PGA Tour no. number one. No. Is that going to make anybody play an extra two or three tournaments? No. 
And and you have to play 15 events to keep your card anyways, to be eligible for tour status for the following year. So um, what's the reason for this then? I don't know. Um, I'm not, I'm not privy to some of the behind the scenes conversations. Um, I'm not on the, the policy board or the pack board or anything like that. Um, honestly, if I had to guess, I would just say it's another way for the tour to um, g- give some money to their, to their membership, I guess. Um, you know, the guys that it's going to affect the most, obviously, you know, all of the top players, they're going to play 15 events. They usually probably get between 15 and 18 events a year. Um, Cause like I said, they have to play 15 minimum right. to keep their status. Um, the guys that it's, that it, that it will help though. Um, not that 50,000, like you said, in the grand scheme of things, if you play well is going to be magic. Um, but you know, guys that are coming off the corn Ferry tour for their first season on tour and, you know, they're going to see between, let's say, 20 and 25, maybe more, depending on where they're at in the priority ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, so $50,000 at the end of the year, maybe if you haven't kept your card, that could make, I mean, that could be right. a difference. I mean, you, you can miss your card and still make almost a million dollars on tour, which is mind boggling. But, right, it is. Um, you know, so, you know, a guy that struggled that year and didn't keep their card, but played in those events. I mean, that 50 grand could mean a lot. Um, certainly pays the mortgage at least for another year and, and stuff like that and still help you to chase your dreams and, um, and can, well, continue the chase and all that kind of stuff. So, but you know, for a guy, for a, for the, for a guy that finishes top 125 or top 100 on the FedEx, I mean, Again, don't get me wrong. Fifty thousand is amazing. It's a lot of money, um, and it can do a lot of good. But right. you're talking to guys that have already made probably, you know, a million to a million and a half while Correct. playing. So, right. right. Um, probably. I mean, it's good to see the tour at least putting some money into or thinking about the little guy um, on tour, which doesn't happen very often. Um, they do a really good job of taking care of their top players, which you know, understandably so they, they bring the television contracts and, um, they bring the ratings and they bring the, it all filters down to the purses that we play for and and we get to play for more money and, and more money into retirement and FedEx bonuses and, and all that kind of stuff. So I understand it from that point of view, you know, this whole, um, this PIP fund, right. That's, that's a way of them keeping their talent on the PGA tour and not being lured away with big money, uh, guaranteed big money to go somewhere else. Right. I get it. I understand it. Yeah, um, I mean, I just saw a story yesterday where it looks like this year, the players championship, uh, in March of 2022, the yeah. purse is increasing it's to incredible. 20 million. Amazing. And uh-huh. the winner will take home over 3 million. So, you know, it, it's, it, I mean, in golf, this is sort of unheard of, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're reaching stuff, but, like tennis has been handing out $3 million prize purses at us open for four or five years now. Wow. So, you know, in comparison, I mean, you know, you look at some of the contracts in, in baseball and basketball and guys making $40 million a year, uh, in football. I mean, while this seems, I mean, it is wild. I mean, it's, it's wild to think that you, we could be paid this much for doing something that we love, but, um, it's probably, we're, I mean, we're still barely on par with, I think some of the best, you know, when you talk athlete to athlete, best to best, um, you know, we're sort of just getting into that discussion where salaries and stuff would be comparable, but, um, you know, uh, everything is, everything is top down driven. I mean, right. it, 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 it is with every sport. Um, so, you know, extra 50 to help some of the smaller guys out. It's a nice touch by the tour. At least they're, at least they're thinking about us. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Not a, not a bad idea by any means. No. Um, real quick. I know that you uh, did a, a golf tournament for your family foundation. And as the day that we are recording this, actually a year ago today, I had a brain aneurysm and, uh, had brain surgery and was lucky enough to recover and 
I understand what it's like to try and put a golf tournament on. It is not easy to try and get people to play golf and get sponsors and whatnot. And I know you just did that. So I want to congratulate you and give you some props because I know that it's difficult to do that, but yet at the same time doing it for a worthy cause. Yeah, we, we had a, we had an unreal day. Um, my wife was a, uh, was the savior of the day. She she organized everything. She made sure everything ran smoothly from top to bottom. Um, it was just it was it was a really good day. We had a really uh, great group of guys um, that came out and played. Uh, we got a lot of support from the community, and um, we're looking forward to doing more of it uh, in the coming years. That's awesome. It's good to see. It's good to see people who can help other people who aren't able to help themselves. And that's really what it's all about is that helping people who can't when you are able to help. That's why I want to take the opportunity to try and raise money for a golf tournament because I was lucky enough that I was able to get care and I was lucky enough to recover. And I'm probably 80 to 90% back to where I was a year ago. Uh, most people don't. 80% of people who have brain aneurysms don't make it. And of the 20% that do 80% of those have long lasting effects and they never live a normal life again. And so I'm extremely lucky and want to do what I can to try to give back and try and help future people who are suffering from aneurysms because they are so, unfortunately, they are so common and are so prevalent in, mm -hmm. in society yeah. now. Good for you. Uh, like you said, it's people taking that, uh, the platform or opportunity they have to, to give back and do better. Yeah, for sure. Where where can we see you play again? When's the next time we'll see you? Um, I'm off for a couple of weeks. I'll be in Bermuda. Um, uh, what do they change it? Bermuda Championship mm -hmm. um, in a in a couple of weeks. That starts the week of the 25th, and then I'll be in Mexico for the Worldwide Technology Mayakoba Classic the week after that. Are you playing RSM? Uh, it's up in the air right now. My brother's getting married the week before, so, um, I won't touch a club for a few days. So I'm undecided <laughs> still. <laughs> that might not be the worst decision ever. Nothing, nothing's worse than playing bad golf. So, well, and just, it's, it's, it, RSM's a long way from home and I, having that, you know, if I'm going to go to an event, I want to go prepared and ready to play and, and feeling like I can win. And if I haven't been able to do that and prep properly, I don't know, you know, I'm sure it's worth the trip and I, and I could make something out of it, but right. you know, it's away from, it's time away from family. It's all those things. So we'll see. Right. That makes, uh, that makes sense. Well, Adam, I appreciate your time here today on the stripe show, but before I let you go, we've got a segment that we call the emergency nine. Nothing's better than an emergency nine. You don't, <laughs> you know, you just want to get nine more quick holes in Yes, sir. We'll get, uh, nine rapid fire questions. Some are golf related. Some are not. Okay. Uh, you just say the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you the questions, number one, Best golf shot you ever hit in your life? Oh my god! Um, the three footer I made to shoot fifty nine. <laughs> I can't argue with that. Uh, top three favorite golf courses that you like to play? Um, Pebble, um, Augusta, and uh, Royal Portrush. Royal Port Rush. Okay. I, I was thinking Augusta was going to be on the list. I think yeah. that's, uh, that's got to be on everybody's list, right? Yeah. That could be a master's thing too, but you know. it is, it is. <laughs> uh, what will be your master's champion dinner? Adam Haben wins next season. What are we eating for, for dinner that night? I'm going to have a, a nice filet with maybe a, a Pacific Northwest salmon option, probably some lobster mac and cheese. Oh, some Brussels sprouts and uh, maybe uh, like a um, uh, some sort of ice cream for dessert. Okay. I like it. I'm in, I'm in. Uh, what kind of music are you listening to when you're on the golf course and able to play music? Mm, uh, basically a top 40 mix, a um, little bit of everything. Um, and then country when I'm in the car. Yes, love that. Yeah. Uh, what's your what's your favorite Netflix show you're watching right now? Uh, I'm actually watching Ted Lasso, Apple TV Plus. Everybody's uh, watching Ted Lasso. I have not watched an episode. Everybody says I should. Yeah. It, it is it is that good. You should. It's an it's amazing. Sudeikis does just an incredible job. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Beer, wine, or cocktail? What's your choice? Uh, probably beer. Which one? 
uh, something light. I'm not much of a drinker, so <laughs> maybe maybe uh, we'll shout out the tour sponsor, Michelob Ultra. <laughs> <laughs> Hobbies that are not golf related. What are you doing when you're taking time off the golf course? Um, uh, I don't. I don't. I like to fish. Um, I don't do it seriously though. I've got a pond in our backyard in can or uh, not in our backyard, but in our neighborhood in Kansas. And I do a lot of pond or uh, neighborhood pond fishing and some of the fishing at the golf course. Other than other than looking after our daughter, that's about it. Nice. Uh, all right, this a little deep here. Three words that best describe you as a person. Oh, um, uh, I don't know. Sarcastic. I like that. Quiet. Okay. Um, lazy. Lazy. <laughs> the sarcastic and quiet is hard. People think that guy doesn't like me, but it's not it. Yeah. He's just he's quiet and he's sarcastic. I, I warm up when you get to know me. That's I'm quiet and then I warm up, and that's when the sarcastic comes up. And last but not least, hole nine, three words that best describe Adam Hadwin's golf game. Mm. Um boring. <laughs> which is a good thing in golf. Right. Um, uh, on edge, because uh, mentally I still haven't quite figured it out. Right. Um, and um, putts well. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't narrow it down to the three specific words, I guess. Putts well is good. That's a good one. I don't think that would be one of mine. That would definitely not be one of mine. I've tried, I've tried every putting grip under the sun. Conventional, left hand low, the claw, you name it, I've tried it. Which means it's not the grip. It's probably, the guy, it's oh, the, I hate to say this, but probably not. It's no. the guy holding the putter for sure. <laughs> good deal. Well, Adam, thank you so much. Appreciate your time here on the Stripe Show podcast, man. We will definitely have you on again uh, next season. Uh, play it. well. And uh, have a great season, man, and good luck to you. Thank you, Frog. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated elixir and low-compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. 